I was woke up by hearing what sounded like water splashing against glass. I flipped on the flashlight and was horrified to see water lapping against the bottom of the glass door to my room, about three inches above the bottom. Water was also seeping in under the door. It felt a little too much like being in a Stephen King novel. I could hear my heart beating fast in my chest and mentally told myself to calm down. With the room still pitch black, I got up, avoided the wet tile, and turned on the outside light. The ocean had risen to just slightly above the height of my balcony. So as each wave came in, water would pour over the side of the wood. And since I had such a short balcony, it would slap against my door. That door was the only way out of my room. As I was weighing my options, I felt a presence in the room. A chill accompanied my thumping heart and my muscles tightened. My body went into high alert. You've entered into the world of alternate realities. Here, paradigms are shifted. Minds are blown. And veils are lifted. Actual supernatural experiences are brought to life through storytelling by the people who experience them. Welcome to Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant, where the esoteric is explored and consciousness is expanded. Visit adventuresinmysticism.com to further your spiritual development through Leah's latest offerings. And now we continue with this episode's mystical adventure. My first visit to Puerto Rico was on a business trip. I accompanied a team brought in at the last minute to pull together a multi-venue, week-long event for hundreds of people coming in from all over the world. It was shortly after Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Maria. We flew into San Juan, and as soon as the plane entered the aura of the island, I got a chill. That was never a good sign. I shook it off. I was looking forward to exploring a new place and new culture while pulling off a big event. We landed on one side of the island, but all the festivities were taking place on the other side in and around Rincon, so we drove the 2.5 hours to the other side of the island. Although I'd not seen the island pre-hurricane, it was obvious it was in bad shape following it. The photos seen in the news stories were not only real, but just a small sampling of how the natural disaster devastated the little island. We drove by piles of debris, cars crushed under downed electric poles, structures missing their roofs, signposts bearing no signs because they've been blown out. Almost everywhere rebuilding, or I should say patching holes and coming up with makeshift options was happening. Although it had been a few months, 
we were told parts of the island still did not have power or water. And despite hundreds of people living in those areas, there were no plans to send them aid. And the people being attached to the land refused to move to the areas with services. We found a beachfront house on Airbnb, not far from the center of Rincon that our four person core team could stay in and use as a base camp for the events. As we booked it, we marveled at how inexpensive it was given the amazing photos. As we drove up the street where it was to be, the hair stood up on my arms. I felt spirits stirring. Spirits hanging around in this area were in a lot of unrest. In my head, I thought, great, just what I need when I'm trying to focus on producing an event. Experiences with the undead dead. When we arrived at the address, we all understood how we'd gotten such a bargain price. Following the hurricane, the house was no longer on the beach, but a fourth of it now hovered above the beach and the attached home next to it had collapsed onto the sand as had several others along that washed out portion of the beach in either direction. The Airbnb photos had not been updated. The owners had sort of replaced the walls on the side of the house that had been damaged and we were assured by the guy who let us in that the posts holding up the house over the beach were safe and would hold. I leaned over the balcony and looked at them stretching out of the sand about a story and a half down. Well, they seemed strong enough and looked to be set in concrete, so I said a little prayer that they'd hold. I went into my room, which was only accessible by going out of the sliding glass doors across a tile sort of covered eating area to the balcony and around the corner to a smaller balcony, only about two feet deep, which also hovered over the beach. The room was nice though, clean bed and linens, an area to hang my clothes and my own bathroom. But I felt like I wasn't alone and that feeling creeped me out a little. I can see dead people. However, spirits that have been roaming a place for a long time often aren't interested in showing themselves or seem to have forgotten their human appearance. They hang in the air like this dense, chilly energy. I could sort of feel that here, but it also felt like there was more fresh death energy as well. So I wasn't quite sure what I was dealing with. Sleeping with so much paranormal company would normally be an issue for me, but I was exhausted from the long travel day and from being up the nights before prepping for the trip. So I swiftly fell asleep. I woke up by hearing what sounded like water splashing against glass. I flipped on the flashlight and was horrified to see water lapping against the bottom of the glass door about three inches above the floor. Water was also seeping in 
under the door. It felt a little too much like being in a Stephen King novel. I could hear my heart beating fast in my chest and mentally told myself to calm down. I got up, avoided the wet tile, and turned on the outside light. The ocean had risen to just slightly above the height of the balcony. So as each wave came in, water would pour over the side of the balcony. And since I had such a short little space between the edge and my door, it would slap up against the glass. That door was my only way out of the room. If the waves got too much higher, I'd need to swim out. While I am a strong swimmer, escaping a situation like that at night is way less than ideal and really unsafe. As I was weighing my options, I felt a presence in the room. A chill accompanied my thumping heart and my muscles tightened. My body went into high alert. I flipped on the inside light and turned around. I saw nothing. I did get the message from whatever was in there with me that I would be fine. Since I didn't know what was there with me, or if it had any nefarious plans for me down the road, I wasn't all that comforted by this message. And since it was 2 a.m., I didn't want to wake another member of the team. So I looked up tide patterns for Rincon online and learned that it was the height of high tide. I reasoned that if this was as high as the water was going to get, I'd probably be okay. I rolled up one of the beach towels provided and stuffed it against the bottom of the door and went back to sleep. In the morning, the towel was soaked through, but the water level was so far below the balcony that had the towel not been soaked, I might have thought I dreamed the entire experience. After breakfast and relaying my story, which I wasn't entirely sure the team believed since all of their rooms were either internal or on the street side of the house, I returned to my room to shower. As I was rinsing my hair, I again felt a presence. This time, I distinctly felt like I was being watched. I looked up and above me, peering through a wide crack in the ceiling, was what looked like a translucent man. I jumped, almost slipping, but caught myself. He had jet black eyes with only a pin prick of white in the middle of each of them. And his very dark skin was painted white in what looked like some sort of stripes or pattern. His head just hovered there over the hole. I wanted out of that shower quick, but still had conditioner in my hair. So as I rinsed it out, I asked, who are you? Why are you here? What do you want? In my head, I heard, you aren't of here. But his expression didn't change even when I addressed him. 
No, I am not of here, I replied out loud. I'm a visitor, and I mean no harm to you. I scurried out of that shower, closed the bathroom door, then dried off and got dressed in the bedroom. I then called the guy who had led us into the unit and insisted he get someone over to the house to patch that hole. I was pretty sure that the translucent guy was dead, but didn't want to take any chances. And if the hole was patched, it at least meant he couldn't peer at me through it anymore. The guy came and looked at the hole. He took me outside to show me that no one could have accessed it. But after my persistence, he did have someone come and repair it so I couldn't see outside anymore. That night, I dug through my luggage and found a piece of sage in a baggie from a previous trip. I burned it all around my room, really saturated it, the bathroom, the balcony, and myself. I declared myself off limits and that the room and the bathroom were my space for the time I was here, and no one who was not invited was to make themselves known to me. Whether that did anything, I'm not totally sure, but I didn't see Translucent Man again, or feel a presence actually in the room again, and for that I was grateful. The next several days were a whirlwind of activity preparing for the event to begin. As we traveled around the area, scoping out venues, buying items, and signing contracts, I continued to feel a lot of souls wandering around. Many seemed confused. I wondered if they were perhaps the newly dead from the recent hurricanes. No longer in their physical bodies, but not yet used to the fact that they weren't. Many, though, felt like old, old spirits. The frequency of sacrifice also hung in the air. The energy of sacrifice was so heavy in certain areas that I would get a metallic taste in my mouth, like I had blood in it when we would go by. So I looked up whether the island ever had a history of voodoo. It turns out Puerto Rico has an extensive history of rituals, superstitions, and yes, even voodoo. Two distinct, I guess they would be called religions, have been practiced there, Espiritismo and Centuria, as well as African voodoo. According to my online searching, both human and animal sacrifices were thought to have been practiced there. Somewhere in the middle of the event week, we hosted an event at an abandoned or shut down resort or condo complex. It was hard to tell what exactly it had been. We were just using one of the courtyards for a luncheon and some speeches. I wasn't able to get a clear story about whether the resort had been shut down due to damage from the hurricane or had gone bankrupt or something else, but it was heavily guarded because whomever owned it did not want squatters living or hanging out there. Our group all had their food and were listening to a speech, 
So I decided to wander through the complex to find a place far enough away that I could make a phone call to confirm one of the evening's vendors without being heard. I only went four or five buildings down and sat on a bench facing away from the group. I dialed the number, and when I looked up, there was someone standing next to one of the buildings a little further down. From the waist up, he looked like most of the local Puerto Ricans I'd seen. He was wearing a white, slightly tight t-shirt. He was medium build with brown skin, a high forehead, and his dark hair was neatly trimmed with his bangs gelled up. But from the waist down, his pants were wet and tattered, and he had on no shoes. He stood completely still looking at me. My vendor had answered the phone, so I stared at the man as I spoke to her. I looked down for a second to check off that I'd called her, and when I looked back up, he was gone. I stood up intending to head back to the group, thinking that perhaps the place wasn't as secure as they thought it was, and the last thing I needed was to have wandered away from the group and gotten myself kidnapped or attacked. I turned and saw him now, standing on the beach. There was no way he could have traveled from where he was to the beach in the second I looked down to when I had looked up. Besides, I would have seen him walking there. I realized then he was yet another dead person walking the island. The density of his image, almost looking like a real live person, led me to believe he had passed recently, most likely a hurricane victim. Though I could often help those stuck in between, I wasn't feeling like doing that work today. I rejoined the group and listened to the next speech. Everyone left and me and a team member cleaned up. As we were driving out, I saw him standing on the second floor of one of the units, at least a half mile from where I'd seen him on the beach. This further validated that he was not living because to get there, he would have had to have walked past us on the beach and he had not. I had been keeping an eye on the beach, seeing if he'd show up again and he hadn't. Additionally, he would have had to have clearance from the guard who should have been able to see him clearly were he alive. The guard looked a few times in that direction and didn't indicate he'd seen anything. After that sighting, I knew that what I was feeling on this island wasn't just one or two kinds of spirits, but a whole other realm filled with multiple types of undead who roamed about. For someone as sensitive as me to the energies, a concentration of dense energy undead is pretty unbearable. The longer I was on the island, the more my skin crawled and the more exhausted I felt. I really wanted to leave after a week. It was tough because I was surrounded by people who were loving the beauty of the island and were not having the same experience that I was. I toughed it out for the remaining three or four days of the event, but I was incredibly happy to come home. The Walking Dead of Puerto Rico made it the second place on earth. I don't want to visit again.
the beaches of Normandy being the first place for a similar reason. The souls of those who died there are so energetically heavy, it's physically uncomfortable for me to be anywhere near there. Thank you for tuning in. Next episode, I'll share my adventures with crystals. Until then, remember that your spiritual journey is a supernatural adventure in and of itself. Enjoy the unfolding and embrace the unknown. Thank you for joining today's Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant. To go on more journeys with Leah, subscribe now. To step more fully into your spiritual role of bringing about a positive high-frequency future for humanity, visit adventuresinmysticism.com.